Welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm one of your hosts, Petter, and with me I got my co-host, James. Hello! And today we're talking about Volume 3 of To Your Eternity. As I said at the end of the previous volume discussion, this one and the next one are my two favorite volumes in this whole series, at least out of the 12 that I have read uh, so far. Uh, and so I was very happy to reread this one. I hadn't actually read this book uh, since the f first time I read it, so I had a lot of fun rereading it. Um, or do you have, would you like to give some general thoughts, like just initially uh, on the volume? I love this volume. Like this was so good. Sweet. The, the volume two was a was a step up for me as well. As much as I love the first chapter, I, I I thought volume two just had a lot more of what I enjoy and was I, I felt like I understood where the story was going, but this volume three introduces these new characters so well uh -huh. and makes you invested in their their trials, their their struggles uh, that I w I was hooked and I and as I was going through the chapters, it's like oh. I only have this many more chapters. No, until the volume <laughs> volume is over. No, come uh, on, let yeah. there be more. <laughs> and yeah, so it's. I'm excited to talk about it, but it it was very enjoyable. I'm so happy to hear that. It was when I read because I started reading these uh, chapters online, and it was when I got to this part of the story. It was like yeah, and and yeah, around these chapters in this book that I decided I have to start buying these volumes. Uh, that's how mm. it was for me. So since since this book, I've been buying the volumes. I mean, I have all of them. Uh, yeah, uh, totally understandable. <laughs> totally understandable. Yeah. And also, one quick thing before we get into talking about the characters. Today, as I was recording, uh, was the day when the first Goo Goo chapter of the anime released. So basically, the first, ah. the beginning of this volume uh, was just, was literally just today covered in the anime, and I've and I've already seen the episode twice. <laughs> uh, I was yeah, I, I love it, and so yeah, I guess uh, going through the characters like we usually do, and as usual, let's start with Fushi. Since his battle with the Knocker, which we now have a name for in the previous book, mm. he is now afraid of the forest, which yeah makes sense to be fair it does i mean it does that thing was pretty horrifying <laughs> yeah. and even in this volume was was even more horrifying in some ways i think mm -hmm. what i like about him being afraid of the forest is that it shows again his progression where he's becoming aware of things that uh, or he he's gaining these feelings that are very human or very i guess yeah living you know animals fear things as well so it's it's interesting that he's able to recognize that and and just start to feel those things that before he probably wouldn't have either been able to articulate or even really understand why there would be a reason to fear. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we do learn that he, he can indeed replicate any item that inflicts some kind of stimulus on him, mm. but not fire. Yeah. It was it was interesting. Like Gugu kind of did some experiments on him, which was you know you, you could think of what you want want about that. I mean, he did feel bad about it afterward. He he, he did apologize uh, about it eventually. But uh, but we did through that we did learn that as far as it seems anyway, Fushi cannot create fire for some reason. Yeah, I wonder why that is. I wonder if it has something to do with the like elemental thing of it all. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Going along with that, uh, he he can recreate food. 
Yeah. And 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 what and all sorts of weapons. So it's not just pain that stimulates or that is able to that that gives him the stimulus that he needs. It's it's also things that just he's able to recall mm-hmm. his memory. Yeah. And he, even the narrator it says eventually that he'll be able to recall things even with the slightest of memories, slightest of stimuli. But at this right. point, it needs to be bigger. Precisely. So, yeah. I thought it was interesting the things that he was able to show up or he was able to um, produce, you know, the fruit. And that was obviously very important with him in March. Yeah. The the fish head. Right. Then, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm. But then also the, the dongo that was on, on the, the pointy stick. Mm-hmm. Like the only reason I could think that him be able to do that was because he, you know, hurt himself when he was eating that. Precisely, precisely. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And I also loved like Fuji's reactions when he like learned that he could create all of these things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was like such like he was so surprised himself. Like, oh my god, well, I I can make all these things. He was like so happy and like just <laughs> in awe about it. It was so fun to see that. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's we're learning about him at the same pace that he's learning about himself, and I, I I'm really enjoying that. <laughs> yeah. And and another rather kind of human thing uh, about him that we got from the, from this volume is he realizes that he like after having done cooking and cleaning and you know working in, in the field, especially after Gugu left, he kind of realizes that he's pretty bad at all of that. <laughs> and so and so he actually asks for help. He asks he asks to be taught how to do it. Mm. And so he goes out to find Gugu so that he can get his help to grow up. Yeah, needs Gugu's help to grow up, yeah. Yeah. I think this volume was almost like him as a young child yeah. learning how you know, learning how to do things. Mm-hmm. Not just not learning like, you know, crawling or walking or how to eat, but more like doing the everyday things that an adult would do. Mm-hmm. And so he needs, an, in this case, an older brother to kind of teach him that yeah. in a way. Um, and then at the very end of the volume, we see that he's starting to grow kind of stubble. Exactly, right? yes. So, so it makes me think that, He's gone from being a child to maybe maturing a little bit, growing into maturity. Like mm. at least his his mental state, instead of being a naive child, he's more of a young adult or or well a teenager maybe. Right. So it's mm. it's interesting. I, I wonder if that if that will if that kind of uh, observation will be had during the rest of the story or is that just something that was in this volume right exactly yeah i guess we'll, i guess we'll see regardless it's a really like interesting little thing though i think with how i guess the first book he was barely anything really and then in the second mm-hmm. one he was like an infant sort of with having march as his mother and then in this one he's mm-hmm. growing up you know being you know seeming a little bit older learning learning a little bit more and having gugu as a brother it's a uh, beautiful i think yeah um and yeah there is one point in this story where he sees reen's dog mir and he calls it johan after uh mm. you know as he was called when he was in canine form from by the boy I, I thought that was a really nice little thing like as if he 
he connects that name to that kind of a creature, basically. Right. I guess that's that was his stimulus, kind of a, if you, if you will. Right. Uh, yeah. When he sees that dog, he starts to say the name. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That that is. Yeah. That was kind. Of, it's kind of sad. Yeah. But at the same time, like it, it's it's nice to see him finally be able to recall or you know go back into his memory and pull things and be able to um, make sense of it exactly exactly yeah he he learned so much in this volume like they had like a discussion about death right yeah death that was that was a big one too because mm. yeah he didn't understand that which is kind of surprising but uh, but well, of course he wouldn't though because you know right he, there's so much he doesn't he doesn't know yeah I thought it was clever of him uh, near the end of the volume where he t- he turned into March and like in order to distract the woman that was chasing after Reen. <laughs> I-, I thought that was a really clever move because I mean he could have easily turned into like the wolf or the bear and just scared her off. Right. But this was more of a subtle kind of like a, a cleverer way to do it. It really was. <laughs> it, it was. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cunning. Like yeah, right. <laughs> and, and also as a reader, you're just like, oh, don't, oh man, like, <laughs> Mar- you know, March is dead, and you bring yeah. this up again. I don't know. Mm, mm. With the wound and everything, but but no, it it was it was pretty clever of him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something that, going back to. Something you were saying earlier, mm? with him and Gugu, and they're kind of experimentations on him it seems like to me and correct me if you think differently that Fushi got his feelings hurt during that yes yes and you know at at first he's he just kind of went along with it but you know after a bit he he felt kind of maybe maybe a little bit betrayed and that's why they had they had a little bit of fight and so I like the fact that he didn't understand how or what he was feeling or or, or what he needed, hmm. and so he just kind of, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to describe. But it, it, when you have feelings, but you don't know how to express yourself. Sometimes, I think people just don't acknowledge it or don't talk to the person that hurt their feelings or or whatever. And so hmm. he kind of isolated himself in that way. Right. And I, I also wondered if he contemplated running away, not running away, but just leaving uh, after that point. Because he walks out, to, he walks out and kind of stares out into the forest like he was thinking about it. Yeah. But he was so, but maybe he was so afraid. He's like, Nah, man, I'm just, I'm just gonna live, a, live as a wolf now or something. I, I don't know. Right. I really don't. I really, I didn't understand that part entirely. But that's what I kind of interpreted as. Right. No, I, I agree. I, I think he was, he definitely got, in some way, upset over what Gugu did to him. Definitely. I mean, you can see it in his face uh, in that mm. scene. But at the same time, I don't think it got so bad to the point where he would leave. I mean, maybe he would if he wasn't afraid of the forest. That that was a good good point, perhaps. But regardless, he was able to get over that relatively easily, like all things mm-hmm. considered. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he still, he had, Pioran was there, someone who he knew at this point have, had, had, like, created a bond with. And I think he still felt like he had some kind of reason to stick around. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it, 
it, when he's when he sees Gugu run off and then he just goes back to sleep, it's probably like it's not my problem, or it's probably like kind of an indifference <laughs> at that point. Yeah, and I I I'm not, I'm not even sure if he at that point really has it in him to understand feeling mad at someone you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know maybe it's just something he doesn't know what to do with and what he doesn't he doesn't understand it exactly and eventually he feels better about it yeah i think that's what i was trying to get at right right but for some reason i couldn't couldn't express uh it's all good it's all good it was also sweet to see him get like really mad with gugu during uh the battle with the knocker yeah uh, where like it's because it really shows how much he cares about Gugu at that point. Uh, it's like it's like a parent like shouting at their child for doing something dangerous. Where like that doesn't mean that they're mad at their child. It means that they they care about their child. It's kind of mm-hmm. like kind of that that kind of anger, and I, I thought that was really nice to see so passionately from from Fushi. Yeah, <sighs> I think my favorite example of that is when he tells him uh, if you come back i'll bite you yeah <laughs> and then he does bite him when he comes back which is <laughs> yeah. really which is was really nice i love that yeah 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 so <sighs> i guess i guess that goes to their the bond that they share mm-hmm. but also that everyone at that what do you call that that it's not even a hut it, it, house i yeah tower tower so what yeah, whatever yeah everyone there is kind of a kind of a strange but close family, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I really like that, and, and, and I think it's good for Fushi's growth. Absolutely, yeah, totally. Um, and more about the battle with the knocker at the end there, uh, well, related to Fushi, that we learned that even if he's defeated by a knocker, he will still be able to come back if that knocker is defeated later on by somebody else. Yeah. So even if all of his forms are defeated, he he there's still a chance for him to return, and so he did come back in in his original form as the Rock. Um, mm-hmm. There after Gugu defeated the the Knocker, and I think well we have talked about I think on both our previous discussions about what what does happen if he transforms into or if he takes the form again of something without consciousness, and it seems like the implication here was that. He was stuck in that form until the beholder, which I think we're gonna call him the beholder, the the narrator. We're gonna okay. we're gonna call him the beholder because uh, this is a small tangent. But on the first page, basically of volume four, this, this isn't a spoiler because it's like the first page has a little character index, ah, uh, where he is referred to as the beholder. Gotcha. So that's what we're calling him from now on. Anyway, he touched the rock. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, and so when he did that, he turned into the wolf. So uh, into one of the forms that has consciousness. So I think that was re- that was necessary. I think if he hadn't, he wouldn't have been able to leave the rock form may- until maybe like many, 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 many years until he like gets some kind of stimulus. S- similarly as he did the first time. Hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, I think he he sort of helped Fushi out by touching him there as far as I could read that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's how I read it. Uh, it's interesting that the touch would awaken all all those memories and everything, those forms back within him, within him. And I'll admit, it, it is a little, like, hard to understand that part, but <laughs> I, 
I, I mean, I, I just don't think too much about it. Right. It's very fantasy. Like, I feel like whenever the Beholder is involved, it becomes even more fantasy-like, kind of. Right. Than it is usually. I mean, it's all, it's all, I mean, the main character is super fantasy, so, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, yeah. And also, speaking about the Beholder, uh, near the end of the book, when he's, when Fushi is talking to the Beholder outside the house, it's, it's like, shortly before the time skip. Yeah. I think Fushi expresses some even more very human-like feelings uh, when he he wants to stay with Gugu, Mm -hmm. even though the Beholder heeds him not to stay in one place. Mm. So I thought that was really nice, since he had really built up that bond, that brotherly bond with Gugu at that point, and he didn't want to leave him. Yeah, it was nice. And and it's interesting that the Beholder didn't say, you regret it or anything like that. He says, that's also acceptable. So I guess it shows that one... Fushi does kind of have his freedom of choice in that sense to do what he wants. Hmm. But I think it also shows that no matter where he is, he's probably going to gain some sort of stimuli that will help. Although maybe the beholder knows what's going to happen in in, in the future, potentially. I don't think he does, actually. Uh, oh, okay. Because and this is something I was going to, going to mention later on about the beholder, but I, I'll mention it now because... Oh, sorry. No, I mean, because it, the, the discussion brought us here. So... There is one point, like, right before the battle with the knocker, the Beholder comes in and he says that he didn't think, or he says it didn't seem like Fuji would make it out of that battle. That's true. Because the enemy had had to, had, had the upper hand in two different ways, and he was like, he, the way he worded it, it seemed like he was pretty sure that Fuji wouldn't make it back to the house after that battle. Yeah, that's true. And he turned out to be wrong about that because of Gugu. Maybe he has strong predictability, like he's able to <laughs> maybe s- just kind of look at the situation and, and and maybe he just knows Fushi so well that he feels like he can make an accurate abs- assumption. That's possible. But when it comes to outside parties, maybe he's not able to correctly predict that. Right. Yeah. Could be. But anyway. Could be. Do you have anything more on Fushi? Yeah. Just want to hear your thoughts on... One thing about he notices that Gugu has pain in his heart when he's mm. talking about Reen. Yeah. It, now, is it the pain that he's noticing or is it just a feeling in general? Like, is he able to t- touch on other feelings or is it still just pain? Right. We talked about this last time about whether it's only pain or if it's other kind of emotions too. And... I also thought of it when, like, during that that same scene. I thought about that, and I, I guess it's hard to say because he does refer to it as as pain. Uh, yeah. Even though, of course, that kind of pain is very different from like <laughs> a wound or like you know being pierced by a spear or whatever. Uh-huh. Of course. Um, so. I don't know. I guess at this point, the only thing we can say with certainty is that he he can feel. Pain of various sorts, in people. But other than that, I guess we can't we can't know more for sure. Okay. I guess. <laughs> that's fair. Mm. And I think that's all I have on him. All right, then. Then I want to talk about Gugu, my boy. Gosh, I uh. really like this kid. <laughs> yes. Like, or, or just his story, this character is just so mm-hmm. well-written. Right? And, oh. uh, yeah, she does a great job. Yeah. Like... Gugu is my favorite character in this entire series. 
Uh, uh, like, he's my favorite character right now. Hands yeah. down. Sweet. I'm happy to hear it. I'm right there with you. <laughs> awesome. So right off the bat, kind of, we learn that he's a boy with a crush on a girl who he sees on the market <laughs> sometimes. And, uh, but he, he appears to be too shy to kind of approach her. But, and, you know, and he doesn't even know her name at the start there. But, and he has his first interaction with her right before he's abandoned by his brother, which is like the first big turning point in his life. Where, when his brother yeah. just disappears on him. With all the money. Uh, yeah, took all the money and up and left. And Gugu asks himself, I think, I think at, at least three points throughout the volume, why am I me? Hmm. Which is because at that point in, in his life, when he was, well, I think during the major portion of, of the volume, he didn't like himself and he didn't like his life. Right. And I think what, what's awesome about this volume is that after the time skip, at the end of the volume, Gugu has a much more positive outlook on life in general. So, like, this volume actually has a positive ending, like a happy ending, which I think is really nice in this series because I feel like both of the previous books didn't have <laughs> too happy of an ending, really. Yeah. Uh, but this one, this one totally did, I think. So, that, that oh, was, I agree. That was mm-hmm. really sweet. And... Something which I don't know if I am digging too deep in this, but I, I, I thought some more about that quote, like or that question, why am I me? And in regards to Gugu kind of and how it relates to him. And you know, he he uh, he he questions like why wasn't I born or I wish I was born in that rich house where I can eat and have of uh, people that care about me and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if that's kind of him questioning the concept of birthright or at the very least hmm. that the story around him deals a lot with class differences i think that's at least oh. at least to that extent i think yeah right that's a possibility because like when when gugu had just saved reen from the log you know and you know he, he got hit by the log and when he's lying there he hears reen's parents or her servants or wh- whoever the people there were uh, and they're mm-hmm. you know they're all freaking out over Reen having been injured, but it was like such a minor injury, and uh, but <laughs> everyone's freaking out. Everyone's coming together to help her. Meanwhile, no one is giving a damn about about the poor homeless little boy who just fell off a cliff and had a log, log smash his face. His fi- oh my yeah. gosh! <laughs> like oh my gosh! That that's one of those things that I think really goes to show like the class difference in in a sense. Where, I mean, sure they might not have actually seen him. Uh, in fact, they probably didn't. Uh, I, yeah, I think they didn't. Right. But regardless, it shows how, well, if you are from that kind of background that Reen is from, you are bound to have people around you that care about you, or at least in some way, and that are there to take care of you. Mm-hmm. But Gugu, coming from such a low class, like he, homeless, and has, at that point, no family at all anymore, he doesn't have anyone mm-hmm. to care about him, even in the slightest. And, yeah. So that, that, yeah. that, that's why I brought up like the, the kind of the class differences uh, in relation to his story, at least in the early parts of it. I could definitely see that being sub- a, 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 maybe a theme that carries on into the next volume, potentially. Hmm. Especially since Dean is definitely high class, right. high society. And yeah, and I think you'd still classify Gugu as poverty. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it, it, there is that huge difference between them. So that might be... A sort of obstacle that maybe is in both of their ways, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Gugu's w- in Gugu's way, um, yeah. 
and I have I have a few other theories about maybe how that class system could could come into play, but I'll say mm. say that for a little bit later. All right, okay. <laughs> but you, you do bring a good point with all that, and something, even though I have those theories, it wasn't something that I had really thought about um, being a theme in his story. But I do think that definitely plays a part in it. Mm, right, right. Well, one one thing that I took away from it was that he kind of regrets wishing to have a different life. Right. Because he got what he wished for, and that ended up being, you know, <laughs> obviously not what he wanted. Yeah. Pretty pretty tragic for him. But even despite that, he he's able to look at himself and say, I am me, and I'm happy with that at, at the end of the volume. Exactly. And, and so it, it, I guess it's just accepting your circumstances as, as they kind of say in the beginning. I think it was worded a little differently, but accepting your circumstances, but like living in those circumstances and just being the best who you are, even though you have a, a little scar on your arm or your face is brutally messed up. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, exactly. I, I think, I think what you were referring to was when he said that he doesn't care about his own circumstances anymore. Yes, that's it. And Reen says the same thing later on as well, which was, right. was which was really nice. One of the thing I, I took away from Gugu's character is that he is a very kind hearted individual. Yeah. And you can see from the very from throughout his story when he's sharing like the steamed bun with the dog. Uh, what was the dog's name? Mir. Mir. Mm. Um, and when to when he gave the ring to his traitorous brother. Yeah. You know, like you could argue that that was a bit of maybe self pity and and him feeling sorry for himself by giving the ring to him. But it's also but it was I think it was also him just. Seeing his brother, someone he used to care about so much, mm. just like that, and just feeling pity and and love for him, so he gave him the ring. Yeah. Um, and so I again that I, to me that shows what an amazing person he is, mm-hmm. even despite all the terrible things he was going through at the time. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and he's a great cook. <laughs> A fantastic cook, apparently. <laughs> like, better than Reen's family's private I know, <laughs> that was so great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be prideful about that one. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. I, I would love to taste his cooking sometime. Obviously, I can't. Dude, okay. totally. I can dream. Um, and uh, <laughs> another thing that he's supposedly really good at, or from we, what we could see, at, is that is throwing spears. Because he threw one spear in this book, and that True. was like a bullseye. <laughs> Yeah, right in the forehead. That was such a good right. throw. <laughs> that was amazing. Right. I, that was not. That was not something that I knew he could do. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like came... maybe that's just like a hidden talent. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I mean, he had started to kind of train his body at that point, so I don't know if one of the exercises he did was some kind of, some kind of throwing exercise, maybe. Possibly. Yeah, but that was only like, you know, may- maybe a month had passed. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Not yeah, that's true. Not it wasn't very long. That's <laughs> right. He said he's probably just not just natural. Yeah, he could, he could very well be. <laughs> it just well, I know we already brought it up, but the log smashing his face. Mm. Honestly, that shocked me. I knew something bad was going to happen just because that's the nature of this story. But I did not expect <laughs> the log to smash his face and leave his face horribly, horribly disfigured or, you know, basically take out, take off his entire nose. Yeah. Like that was so shocking to me. So to see, to see like him lying there with the log on his face was just, 
yeah, it, it was shocking. Yeah, uh, dude, I I thought he was dead the first time I saw that. Like, yeah, I read it I the mean, first time, it, I was like, oh shit, okay, yeah. he died, I guess. <laughs> Glad he didn't. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. <laughs> but man, it it was, it was intense, and it definitely caught my attention. Even even though like I was really invested in in the little story he was telling mm. at that point, that that really hooked me. Oh yeah, and got me got me really um, into the story. Totally. And we learn a little bit about his backstory from when he was very, very little. Like, I don't know if he's like three years old or something in the in these little flashbacks. But when he was a very little child, he worked, he and his brother worked for a family and he thought that they were his family. Uh, which yeah. is like such a sad realization. That is so sad. Um, and ever since then, ever since he kind of, well, learned what actually was the case there, he has had mm-hmm. this dream of having a family of his own and being surrounded by people that care about him, like genuinely. And um, I mean, he kind of has that now, right? He, yeah, exactly. At this point, and especially now, especially after the time skip when he's actually content with that lifestyle, right? I think he has been able to achieve that for sure. And um, yeah. I think one one thing that really showed just how important family is to him was the scene where. Uh, Fushi had had relatively recently arrived there, and and then Piorin and the booze man were talking about how how they would use Fushi for their own gain. Kind of, <laughs> I mean, some of it some of it was jokingly, but still, like that really ticked right. that really ticked Gugu off, and he yeah. he got so upset with them for even saying those sorts of things. And I I think that yeah, that really showed how important or how how much he values family. I thought that mm-hmm. was really good. I agree. And also, when he first met Fushi, he, t- he tells him about his brother. And when he does, he seems to hold his brother in pretty high regard, even though he did be- betray him pretty pretty badly. Um, and then later on, when he actually finds his brother in the alley, uh, at that point, he doesn't seem to think very well of his brother at all anymore. He kind of held him in high regard, but he also gave a, a, a like... Right, right after that, he kind of gave a snide remark or a kind of a, a pessimistic remark about maybe it's best you don't know your family or know your right. family or have anybody that way they can't betray you or something something along those lines yeah something about him feeling hopeless over maybe the not knowing what his brother is up to at this point yeah but yeah you're right and it's, it's also possible that when he said that to fushi it's possible that maybe it was just him trying to maintain some kind of positive outlook even though he didn't necessarily feel that way entirely. Yeah, I've. I, that's how I took it, but mm. I could be. I could be. No, I think that it. it's perfectly possible. I think, and yeah, I think it was also really nice to see, like having recently lost the only family he had, how mm-hmm. he he wanted to accept Fushi into the family like so openly, so willingly, pretty much right off the bat, and he started to view Fushi kind of as his little brother and. He starts to like Fushi a lot, like very quickly, yeah. like, and he feels like Fushi's presence, just having him around, will help him face kind of the boring life that he has ahead of ahead of him, or at least the way he feels mm-hmm. at the time. So that that's also like re- really nice how how their bond started growing really right. from the get go. Right, and I, and I think not you know obviously we mentioned how important it was for Fushi to have Gugu kind of you know, treat him as a brother, but mm. it was also important for Gugu uh, as a, you know, he mentions in the volume, 
yeah. just for him to accept himself and and to realize that even though he's had these horrible things happen to him, it he's okay uh, if he can accept that and just mo- keep moving forward. I guess. And, yeah. I don't know. I I I really appreciate his attitude by the end. Totally. It's really good. And but at the same time, I I understand why he was so frustrated with things and you know running out on on the booze man and all them like it it mm. makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't I don't blame him and the oh, things yeah. he went through there. But my favorite my favorite moments for Gugu were one the the scene in in his te- in his tent with Fushi and kind of the the fake out death, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. thought. Because it was definitely, it was definitely trying to imply that he was going to pass away or something like that. Right? Yeah, definitely um, had that had that vibe. <laughs> it did, and, and then obviously, you know, Rian comes in and changes mm. that. But yeah. it, but that moment between them where he basically asks Fushi to turn into him when he dies. Mm. It, it, but but all that discussion that they had in that moment was very good for his character, and I think for Fushi to learn as well. So yeah. I really like that moment. But my, my other one is the kind of understanding or getting to know each other better that Gugu and Reen had yes. in, the, in like the next couple of chapters or so. It was so well done. So good, dude. in my opinion. Yes. That conversation. Like you, oh. you, they're, they're, they're seen in the tent there, especially, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Well, you know, him hiding behind the tree and Right. and everything. That that was yeah. that was probably my favorite scene in this whole volume uh between the two of yeah. them because really like throughout most of that scene they were both acting like idiots. Like they really <laughs> were like both of them were fucking dumb. Yeah. Uh but but still in the end they managed to walk out of the tent together on better terms than they had been on ever before probably. And that's, yeah. I think that's the second really big turning point for Gugu. Um, mm-hmm. When, you know, yeah, after having had that conversation with Reen. And it's, I think it's a big moment for both of them. I think it's a huge moment for both of them. Right. You know, and it, same, same when he gives back the mask to Reen after they just ran out of town. Hmm. Um, that, that moment as well. I, I guess you could say it's a continuation of that, but right. the, the, it's really just... Help, help both of them, as, as the, both of their characters grow, I think, in a very good way. Mm-hmm. But a little earlier there uh, in the book, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had this whole, again, it started growing up, we, we were, the, the bond between Gugu and Fushi, you know, was growing after they met. And then Reen showed up the first time at the shop. And mm-hmm. that obviously made... Uh, Gugu very happy. A at woman. First. <laughs> well, and yeah, I mean, he had already he already had a crush on her, and like that was like yeah, it's like he was so happy to see her. But then it turns out that she liked Fushi. <laughs> although I, I don't imagine that was a very deep kind of affection. You know, no. she just saw no. him, and I guess she thought he looked cute. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and he he kind of acted a little quirky. So that was interesting <laughs> to a little girl like her, I guess. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um. That must have been so awfully conflicting for Gugu, uh, having like th- this new brother figure in his life who he adores, and the girl that he has a massive crush on, and the whole thing that happens right there, that's got to suck hard. And yeah. so I don't blame him for going into that kind of depression that he did after that, where he just stops doing his chores and everything just feels awful for him for a while. I, I totally understand that. Especially at that age. 
Oh yeah. You know, it it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And having gone through and lost his older brother already, it's yeah. yeah he I guess he feels a little betrayed. Yeah, don't <sighs> can't blame the kid. Yeah. And then when he ran away and he met his old employer again, the guy that he and his brother had worked for before. Ah, oh, man. He was such a nice guy. Like He was. He really was. But his family or some of his fa- other family members weren't, so obviously that didn't work out. But the fact that he invited him to actually live with them as part of the family was fantastic. Like, that's amazing. What a good an amazing guy. gesture, yeah. Jeez. But yeah, sadly that didn't. Only everyone can have a boss like that. Right, dude, totally. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the best boss award. Like, that goes to him. <laughs> Man. And also, kind of around that time, or after he saw his old boss, the last time he feels like without the mask he can't stay human so he decides to abandon his life as a human and throws the mask away hmm. or at least for a while and i guess that's his biggest down that is really when he's at his lowest i guess in this book mm-hmm. everyone shuns him at that point in the story and it's just awful really is but yeah, then, then Fushi comes and Rin comes. and Well, that's why Rin was so important. I mean, obviously Fushi was very important too, but Rin was so important for him because she was the first one to, even though she hasn't seen his face yet, technically, hmm. she's basically the first one to openly accept him, even if he is a monster, you know? Exactly. I think that was very, obviously very important to him. Definitely. Yeah, and to have him, or for him to have people that care about him, that come yeah. to get him back home you know uh that's that's what he always dreamed of having and that and he has that that now and these two people as you said they they both do this they both care about him despite the monster side of him or well you know he's really not but no (laughs) but but you know despite all all of that and that's Mm -hmm. that's worth a lot indeed and just a little other thing i had on him is that near the end of the book during the knocker battle when he gets drunk, he confesses his love for Reen. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I love it. And I wonder I, I wonder if much. he will have any recollection of that afterward. If he was too drunk to remember uh, it. I, I know Reen will. Reen uh, absolutely. Will <laughs> There's no way she forgets that. No, no, no. I mean I can't say she, how she feels one way or another, mm-hmm. but uh there's no there's no doubt in my mind she she won't forget or she, she won't remember that. Wait. Mm. She, There's no doubt that she won't forget that. Right. Does that makes sense? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, that, that's right. <laughs> Sometimes I don't understand what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah. I think that he was, yeah, he was so hammered that I don't <laughs> think he remembers that. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> uh, and the very last thing I got, I just wanted to put a little bit of emphasis on that fact that he is ripped now after the time skip. He is! <laughs> Good night! All that training paid off. <laughs> uh, big time. <laughs> Muscle man. Yeah. And yeah, he was able to get rid of that stomach. The the, the boost stomach. Oh, they did get rid of the, the, stu- well, the I mean, stomach? It's still, I mean, he, he still has the, the, the organ. Oh, the, okay, the yeah. Al- alcohol organ, but thanks to being so muscly... That is what it's I not meant. like protruding anymore. Right, got exactly. It, got it, got yeah. It, yeah, he he's able got to it. conceal it more, like with his muscles. Like it doesn't. Got it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he looks, he looks good. <laughs> yeah, he does. And I started questioning how old he was because before, 
I thought actually I thought he was like ten or something, to be honest. Yeah. But four years and to be that big, it's like well, maybe so because so now it seems like he's at least sixteen. Right. I I had the exact same feeling. So he must be twelve mm. during this whole thing. I'm also like I I I think I had the exact same thoughts as you. Uh, the first time I read this is, he 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 seemed to be younger than than twelve. Maybe mm-hmm. although I think twelve still is, is yeah, functional. It's true. Like, it still works. Um, yeah. So I think it's safe, pretty safe to assume, I guess, that he he was twelve first and then sixteen. And I guess Reen probably can we can assume that she's the same age as him, uh, just to make mm-hmm. it simple, I, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> although if anyone's listening and somehow knows their exact ages here, uh, and if you're at least if you're listening on YouTube where you can comment, please let us know because it would be nice to have that info. Mm-hmm. Exact age stuff. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that, that's all I had on Gugu. Do you have anything more? I have another thing, but I want to save it for another character's point. So All right, then. I'm good to go. All right, so let's move on to Reen. She has a cute little dog, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she gave Gugu that's that That's it? That's ring. the only redeeming yeah. <laughs> factor? She has a cute little dog? <laughs> yeah. Yep, okay, moving on to... <laughs> no, okay. Uh, <laughs> No, but yeah, she has a little dog, and she she has she comes from a very wealthy family. Like the basic facts, I guess, about her. And as we said earlier, she seems to take a liking to Fushi. But I don't know if that's as much the case at the end of the volume. Like after the time skip, I wonder if she has the same kind of obsession with him. So real, so real quick about her kind of obsession or her like of Fushi. Mm-hmm. I I think part of it is like yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a crush cuz oh he's cute. Yeah. But also think it may have been something of cuz remember how we were saying Fushi was kind of a a toddler, a little child in, in this volume. Yeah. At least until the until the end. And I I wonder if it's kind of this mentality where Sometimes people will want to play with a little kid because they're so adorable because mm. they don't understand the world. They don't know how to how to eat or cook or do things. Or undress themselves. <laughs> undress themselves. That's what I was getting to. I love her joke there. Yeah. That, yeah. I I was wondering, like, uh, is she going the that route there? or? <laughs> I love her, like, t- twice in this book. She's like, just kidding. <laughs> like, <it's> so cute. <laughs> oh. Oh, she wasn't kidding about the dressing part. <laughs> but anyway, so mm, mm. that's that. But at the end of the volume, it seems that she might still have some sort of thing, or at least think he's cute. Because the last page, she's looking like she's a little bit blush in the face and she's looking excitedly at Fushi. So I mm. maybe it's because he was the one that cooked the food? Was him that cooked the food? Yeah, it yeah. was him that cooked the food. Right. Maybe she was just like really excited that he cooked the food. It was like, wow, great job. Right. Or or maybe she's still a little bit infatuated with him. I like to think that she, like the, the, basically what you suggested at the beginning there, that she, it was more like a, it was it was interesting or it was, it was fun when he was kind of like a toddler-ish kind of, or had that kind mm-hmm. of mentality. Um, I kind of liked that idea. And then, because I, I felt like, during the volume, like after, or I guess during and also after the tense scene between uh, Reen and Gugu, that I think maybe she started to f- get to have some kind of interest in him. 
potentially. Although, oh, I mean, that's what I mean. That's what I'm hoping, and that and that's kind of the where I feel like the story is going. Right, right. But maybe, but maybe it's like a, you know, she thinks this guy's cute, but she's actually growing romantic feelings for Goo Goo. Exactly. Right. I mean, regardless, I think you know they, they're all friends at this point. You know, they're oh, all. Oh, of course. Close, yeah, I mean, at the yeah. Almost yeah. like family. All like in in some in some way. Really, really though. Yeah. Um. And like, because it was really the moment uh, after they leave the tent, uh, and Gugu puts the the jar on on Reen's head, and yes. they're sitting there on the hill together, kind of in silence, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like they're too kind of bashful to kind of look at each other, and it's just kind of that that <laughs> it's that that tension is in the air there, like right yeah. right before Fushi arrives, it's like yeah, that's <laughs> th- there's something in the air. No, I I totally yeah I totally agree. Um, there's <laughs> definitely something there and i hope i really hope it goes far i was i was trying not to you know harp on this too much <laughs> but you know i i really hope it goes somewhere between the i mean yeah you know it, it would be sad if gugu's kind of feelings for her go unrequited but i i really don't think that that'll be the case hmm. by the end of it especially with what's happened between them right yeah, it seems yeah. it seems to be looking up right now. Yeah, I would say for sure. Uh, more about Reen. She we learned that she ran away from home uh, to live with Fushi and Gugu, or well, and and well, the others there. Oh, that was the other thing. Maybe her kind of attention toward Fushi was also a excuse to be there as she ran away, but also could just have been a perk. It's like, hey, if I run run away here, then I get to talk to this this cutie it's great <laughs> right yeah i <laughs> that i think that's kind of how, how i read it but i, I can't i can see both ways but yeah like we, we learned just how strict her parents are and how overprotective mm-hmm. they are and they decide everything for her we know we, she, she loves purple a lot but she's forced to wear only green clothes because that's her family color and all that yeah. um and we learned this thing about the little very little scar on her arm. <laughs> really nothing to worry about. Uh, <laughs> what I really like about the kind of, yeah, I guess, relationship that Reen and Gugu have is mm. they, they both come from different worlds, kind of different societies, but they have their own issues and trials. And I think it shows that mm. while some people's trials are much worse and much more difficult, in, you know, depending on their circumstance, not everyone is perfect or has everything exactly they need. Like it's not complete, utter bliss. Yeah. And and obviously some people live in luxury. I, I, I totally get that. But there's also, you know, physical and, and mental issues that people go through that sometimes we don't quite understand. That because we are in a different situation, we can't truly uh, empathize with it. Yeah. So... I think that it's interesting to see the different viewpoints. And while I do think that some of the things that Dean were saying were a little silly in the grand scheme of things, I also understood, you know, yeah, she she is very kind of trapped uh, and not able to be the person she wants to be. Yeah. And, you know, that's in a way kind of takes away her freedom of choice. In, it definitely does. And what, what the book was or the volume was. Uh, talking about at one point, I think it was the beholder who mentioned mm. it. Yeah. How? Yeah, he didn't like he didn't like things taking away from the freedom of choice. 
Yeah, so it's very interesting. Mm, for sure. Yeah, it's really all a matter of perspective, like how you yeah. perceive things as bad or or really bad or like stuff like that. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last thing I had on Reen is Pioran tells her that Fushi has to become human fast at one point mm. in this book. And I was thinking that maybe, although I'm not entirely sure, like, but maybe Reen starts to maybe suspect that something is up. Uh, at that point um mm. although i mean because because clearly fushi does act different you know he's right he is a strange dude uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh and so it's possible that maybe she starts to expect something although obviously i don't i don't suspect i, I don't expect her to you know put everything together just <laughs> with that but like just to have some kind of f- feeling at the in the back of her head like something strange is going on kind of potentially based on that yeah, that'll be interesting to see, and mm. and I do think that that at least that at the very least the idea of him not being completely human or human at all mm-hmm. um, was planted there. Yeah. Right. Right. Do you have anything more on her? Yeah. Uh, just about her character, real quick. I she kind of breaks the stereotype of the stuck-up rich girl. I mean, she she obviously is from a high high class and is spoiled but at the same time she's very she's very sweet very uh, you know s- similar to to gugu very kind mm. and i i, I think that it, it's a nice break from the jerk high society people you know it, a lot of the time stories will, will pin the person who's from a, a a noble or just a rich family as just terrible people and you know I guess the jury's still out on if that actually happens with the crops family. Right, right. But I, I think it's really nice that she's not this terrible person who, you know, looks down on others. I know I, I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's a beautiful character. I already mentioned this, but just want to reemphasize it. She accepts Gugu for the person he is, and I find that very touching, mm. even though she hasn't seen his face. Eh, and I, I think at this point, she, if even if she sees, sees his face, I'm, obviously there'll be a bit of a shock, but I'm sure she will not be repulsed right. like some of the other people were. I also have a feeling. It, yeah. it may be similar to how his Gugu's old boss kind of was like. Maybe, yeah. You know, mm. still, still accepting. Mm. Of course, there is this slight worry that something terrible will happen with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, especially with this kind of story, but you never know. Yeah. Or, but I'm I'm actually a little more worried once she finds out that it was Gugu who was the one that pushed her. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that, that was kind of teased here. Like, it, uh-huh. it it felt like it was close that Gugu would tell her that, but he ultimately didn't. So yeah, I'm we're definitely right. waiting eagerly for that to happen. For sure. I hope I hope he's able to explain himself that he saved her life. Right. Yeah, I really hope that comes out eloquently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> what I, another thing I like about her is when Gugu apologizes after that after that uh, scene with them at the tent mm. and the tree. Yeah. Uh, she just is like, "What what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about." Like she basically just like, you know, you know, forgets about it and just moves on. I, I, oh, that is such a good character to have. Yeah. <laughs> not not to hold grudge or just just. I mean, in herself, like she was, 
it, obviously just forgiving him, but in a very, I think, a very cute way. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it just emphasizes how great of a person, how good of a person she is. And they both are. So, yeah. Yeah, dude. They're, they're, Love it. They're great for each other, I think. <laughs> they really are. Uh, can't wait going forward. I hope. Well, I'm actually worried, but that's okay. <laughs> because this is the story. This is the story. I, I just, I, I can't, I don't know. For some reason, I just don't trust it. I don't, I don't trust her. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm just, well, the only thing I can say is that I'm just excited to talk about the next volume with you. Yeah. Because I love that true. one just as much as this one, if not more. So, uh, anything more on Reen though? That's it. All right. Then let's move on to Pjorn a little bit. And the first thing I'd like to say about her is that I don't know if you have this on the Crunchyroll thing where you're reading, but there's sometimes some in-between chapter pages in in the physical volumes. Oh, uh, do you get? I don't th- think I have that. Not no. No. Uh, there is uh, between two of the chapters in this volume. There's a little little text. Uh, it's it's basically it's it, it looks like it, it's something that would have been written like in a journal or in in Pjorn's diary or like something of that sort basically like like a page Mm. out of that uh where she explains kind of how she she took a piece of the knocker from uh the first battle in the previous volume like after fushi had defeated the knocker there she took a piece of it that was left behind somehow Mm. and she took it back home and she kind of inspected it and she kind of explained how it felt and how it looked and like there was some kind of uh, liquid inside of it that looked like water, and and how she she mm. she cooked it, and and she ate it, <laughs> and <laughs> and yeah, just a little little explanation on that kind of. Uh, I, I I don't know if it like if it's like super important, but apparently they are edible. Um, and it like somehow it's somewhat meaty in in like how it oh how it turned out apparently. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting little side thing. <laughs> well then, mm. knockers on the menu, boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure Gugu would make a delicious knocker dish. <laughs> oh, he would. Oh my gosh. Actually, you know that's funny you bring that up because she mentioned in the in the story, and I and I wrote this down that mm. she's gonna write down the encounter with the tree thing, right? And, w- w- with the knocker, and I I thought. Here's what I thought. I said, perhaps she is keeping a record of Fushi's adventure. Mm. And <laughs> it sounds like, no, that's not really, not necessarily the case. Maybe she is, but maybe she's more, She's it looks sounds like she's more examining or like studying mm. the, the tree thing. But it would be interesting if she was keeping a track of Fushi's growth through yeah. her writings. Or, yeah, yeah. That, that that is an interesting idea. The way I interpreted that when she said that line, she said like, oh, I'm going to go take note of that so I don't forget it. Or she said something like that. And the way I thought of it then was that she is so old and she's aware that her memory is starting to get a little fuzzy sometimes. So she writes oh. things down in order to not forget about them, perhaps. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, hey, it makes a great story. So yeah, dude, absolutely. Don't blame her. <laughs> yeah. Pjorn is, is just, she's funny but she's kind of a terrible person, both her and Boozman. That uh-huh. not terrible. Maybe that's wrong. Like she has a kind 
heart, but personality wise, she's a bit rude and crass. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> but true. I think she's uh, she has what's best in mind for Fushi, and and she she is wise as she's yeah. she proved towards the end of the, the volume, like when the um, crops dad was talking about the situation and she kind of mm. said, well, maybe you're not looking at the real problem here or something like that. She, she, she offers some advice there. So Exactly. I love that line. I lo- Respect I love your old line. people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think she, she says, uh, or is the fact that you don't think it's a problem the real problem? Yeah, that's I, it. I, that's, that's so it. good. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I think he, he needed to hear that. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, anything more on Pjorn? No, that's it. All right, then let's talk about her lover, Boozman, the intellectual. <laughs> Why does he have a name? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the first we see of him is actually pretty early on. You probably noticed it too, but yeah. uh, he, he's uh, trying to buy seeds from Gugu, but he didn't have any to sell them. Sorry, dude. But he is per- supposedly known throughout the town for doing some illegal stuff. Yeah. And while well, we do know that he does do some kind of messed up things odd Exper- human experimenting on Gugu and yeah yeah mm. he, yeah i was a bit upset about that yeah <laughs> yeah he did he gave Gugu this extra organ which holds pure alcohol i don't know like it was a little bit unclear to me whether that organ produces pure alcohol to it to a degree or if it only holds alcohol like that is inserted into it so i guess mm. I guess it's not super important, but regardless, mm-hmm. Gugu can, through that organ, store alcohol inside of his stomach. So, yeah, it's it's pretty messed up. Yeah. Why did no one go to find Gugu? Why, not, neither him or Pioran did. And I know they kind of explain, like, Pioran was kind of like, oh, Fushi needs to do it or something like that. They're just lazy. Yeah. These people I, are so lazy. Didn't they, in the flashback when Reen was in the tent there... When she arrived, there was, like, a brief little flashback of, like, just a few panels. Yes. Didn't even the old man, he said, like, oh, I'm too lazy. Like, I think yes. he even straight up said that. <laughs> yes. Uh. But there was one really nice scene, I thought, with Boozman where he actually, you know, approached Gugu when Gugu was feeling really down. And he mm-hmm. was able to help him kind of get, get like, lift himself up and get back on track again. Yeah. Which I thought was, was pretty nice. He had a weird way kind of going about it, but ultimately I think it was a nice gesture. You're right. Mm-hmm. So I think, as you said, like both he and Pioran, they are questionable people, but they're not completely bad people. <laughs> I agree. I so, agree. I guess that makes them interesting. Totally. Totally. And they are, they are family at this point. Yeah, I guess you could call them... Fushi's grandpa and grandma, kind of? Yeah, Although, honestly, I think I so. Know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least they, they kind of fill that role, I, I'd say. Mm. Definitely. Anything more on him? Uh-uh. All right, then let's talk a little bit maybe about Shin, Gugu's brother. <laughs> if we have anything there, he seems to have gotten involved with some, with some shady people. He joins a fight club. I guess maybe. Uh, I, I, I thought, I thought. I mean, it could be. It's like, it don't lose be. the... Don't they say like a don't don't lose next time or something like that? Yeah, yeah, they they did. So it th- 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 that's a good possibility. That is so- something like a Fight Club kind of deal, uh, or maybe it's gambling. Could, I don't know. Honestly, yeah, it could be a lot of things. To be fair, uh, it, either way, it's it wasn't good for him. Clearly, as we saw 
later on when Gugu find found him, he was looking awful. Oh yeah, um, very thin. So yeah, that was terrible. So you want to hear a, a really wild theory? Uh, yeah, please. I had. <laughs> Go ahead. So Gugu Gugu gives him the ring, right? Uh huh. And my thought was maybe he comes back to the story as someone who is able to get back on his feet, which would, I guess, maybe be nice. And I think Gugu wouldn't be upset about it unless mm. something terrible were to happen because of that to his situation. So that would be a nice thing. But then I thought, what if he's able to turn that ring into something very wealthy ah. some somehow? And then he gets in with the the Crofts family. Oh. Somehow he gets the arranged marriage with Reem. Now, that would be that would be such a hard blow, I think. Oh my god. Uh, right, they're terrible. But <laughs> but they did the parents did say they already had picked someone out for her to marry. Mm. Uh supposedly, as far as I understand. So that that I had that theory after I had read the the volume the first time. Right. When I came back to it and I saw that I was like, "Oh, that kind of throws out in the water." But it, I thought it would be very spicy if that did happen and very traumatic. Oof, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be rough. <laughs> right. But I do hope that, I don't know, like, I don't I don't care about Sheen because he's made a bad choice. But at the same time, hmm. it would be nice if he were to get back on his feet. Yeah. And somehow either be there for Gugu or just maybe, maybe just have the... Have that that choice that Guga made play some sort of consequence, whether right. good or bad. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it's just, he he really made a really awful choice. Like betraying Gugu like that was absolutely terrible, especially mm-hmm. since they were family. Yeah. But at the same time, like I, I'm not excusing him in any sense. I don't want anyone to think that, but. He was still in like, or they both were in just in a really terrible situation, you know, without a home, right. without anyone but themselves or each other. And so I guess desperate times does bring out some bad sides in people, uh-huh. but it was still, I, I, I still don't think it's excusable, uh, the things that he did, abandoning his little brother like that. Right. And taking all the money that they both earned together. Like, oh, not yeah, okay so... at all. Ugh, no. Hmm. Oh, well. No, no, no. Yeah. Is that it on Sheen? <laughs> I I wanted to ask if... Do you think you've come back into the story after all my theorizing? But I can't really ask you that because you've already read <laughs> the future volumes. So. Sadly, I do Never know. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, then let's move on to... The Beholder, perhaps. I actually already said what I wanted to say about him. So if you have anything on The Beholder, shoot. Actually, I don't think I, I, don't think I do. Okay. Do you have anything on any other character? The Crops family, they're stereotypically stuck up, I, I think. But mm. they don't seem like nasty people, you know? Mm. Like, yeah. they're going to look down upon you too much. Especially by the end when they're trying... Gugu's food mm. and you know kind of just sitting down with everybody like they, they even kind of scold him it's like hey don't treat your elders that way <laughs> yeah yeah and like just the fact that they came there to hang out with the rest of them was right yeah you know, I think shows that they're not terrible as you said yeah no, no. so 
which which was nice to see. Like mm. they're they're just you know it's a different world, different society. Right, right. And they they're doing what they believe is the right thing. You know, right. It it, it might not be the right thing exactly for Reen, but they have good intentions. I think at the very least. Yeah. Is that it for the characters, or? Yeah, that's all I have. All right. I guess that brings us to the ending of the discussion. Do you have any final predictions or any thoughts regarding the world in general or anything like that? Do you want to discuss, take, bring up? Uh, just a couple of funny things. Uh-huh. Fushi interrupting the silence between the Ningugu when they're out on near the the river or just sitting on that hill, whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was really funny. It was. It was. <laughs> just just to how it was drawn. Anyway, mm. uh, but I also love you know the Gugu when he walks in on Dean's family being being in in the tower or whatever. He's like, wait, impress you, impress the family, you know, being drunk. He's like, hey, everybody, how's it going? <laughs> and yeah, it's um, like you know, it's definitely winning points there. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, another, another speaking of funny moments since i guess we're doing that um or i guess i don't know if this is funny but i i, I kind of liked it was right after gugu throws the spear in the head of the knocker march form mm-hmm. it picks him up by the leg and holds him upside down and he says huh and <laughs> yeah. the speech bubble is upside down as well <laughs> i thought that was really nice like a really yeah. nice touch. You don't usually see that kind of stuff in in no, comic books or anything. I wondered like that. why that was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I guess it was just pure comedic yeah. effect. Yeah. I I I legitimately tur- like turned my book upside down just because I wanted to see it like, <laughs> the the right way. <laughs> That's how you're supposed to do it. That's what they're trying to tell you. Right. <laughs> so I I guess just thinking in terms of the future. St- the future like the story yeah how is this all going to fall apart because it feels <laughs> the way the story is going is that it just crumbles and it leaves an impact on fushi that that doesn't usually end on a happy note hmm. and or at least a completely happy note and so yeah I, you know i i started thinking uh, because the reason the reason why i say that is obviously Fushi has more growth to do if he wants to be able to combat the knockers. Right. And we know that Gugu's fire was able to take them out pretty well. Now, maybe they'll have an ability that's able to combat the fire in the future. Not sure. Yeah, it kind of seemed a little bit like that when the Beholder kind of said that they're going to learn from this. They're going right. to take measures to improve themselves. Like, that That definitely seems worrying. <laughs> Yeah, so this may kind of throw my theory, or at least the usefulness of it, out the window. But I think just the way she set up Gugu's character mm. and just the ability that he has with this alcohol-spewing, fire-breathing gecko thing, <laughs> lizard thing, mm. it seems like that would be the new power that Fushi gets, which would obviously mean, or potentially mean, the death of Gugu. Right. So... I mean, on the one hand, that'd be a great addition to Fushi's abilities. On the other hand, I don't want Gugu to die. So <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I, I I don't. That that's what my prediction is: is that he is going to pass away in, somehow for some reason. In the next volume or beyond the next volume? Do you think? Just curious. Well, so this is taking 
taking into what you've said in consideration, since you said, I think you've said four was your favorite volume. So mm -hmm. I kind of think four will be the one. <laughs> <laughs> you think I enjoy tragedy? <laughs> A little bit. You're okay. I, I do. I do enjoy some tragedy. I we've talked. We've talked a long time, Petter. We have. You know. You know me. You know a little bit, but but no. I I, I can't say for sure. And right, right. I, it, it it would break a bit of my heart because I've fallen in love with this character. I think I think mm. he's such a great guy. Yeah. And like like you were saying, my you said your favorite character is my favorite character so far. So. <laughs> It would be very depressing if, if that were to happen. Now, to think positively, I wondered if there was maybe maybe he Fusi's able to find a way to replicate this stimulus, this this ability to copy another being hmm. without Gugu passing away. Right. But that is a little bit too optimistic, <laughs> potentially speaking. And might not be what the beholder had in mind when he created Fushi. Hmm. So that that's kind of my thoughts um, about that. So what would lead to Gugu's death if it does happen? Well, oh, actually, actually, uh, another before I go to that, another another part to this is there's been four years, a four a four year time skip. Yes, and that also means everyone around the world has aged four years. I mean, uh, duh. But that means we haven't seen Perona. And right. she's four years older. I have no idea how old she was back then. Maybe she I think was... she was fifteen. Oh, she was fifteen. I okay. Think, I, think. I was actually I actually was about to say sixteen, but fifteen. Okay, that works. Hmm. So now she's nineteen. And unless the story takes a huge time leap at some point and Gugu has a long life with Rina as his wife and Fushi sees that until he dies and then he moves onward. Hmm. That would mean Pahor uh, no, I keep calling Pahor in that. Uh, that's only funny to um, per Perona would be an either dead or an old woman mm. which I mean you know good for her to live a long life I suppose but also you know, that would be really upsetting for me and I would not <laughs> like her to not ever be in the story again so yeah. it's like if I want to see Perona uh, Perona again <laughs> yeah it's like Gugu's gotta die <laughs> I don't I don't but I don't want Gugu to die so no, I don't know, and, and 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 I guess that's not necessarily true. You you know, Perona could come back to the story somehow, and Gugu can still be around and and everything. But Fushi seems pretty determined to live out Gugu's life, however long that may be. Mm. So, right. My some of my thoughts on what could lead to tragedy, maybe the people of. I want not Yamato. What's Yamone? No. Uh, what the Japanese wait. people? What are, what are their names? Oh, uh, oh God, it's escaping me as well. Yanome. Yanome. Yes, yes, yes. Yanome. Like maybe maybe they find out where Fushi is somehow. Like Hayase and them. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or or maybe Hayase or maybe some other party, maybe in some new part of the Yanome clan, finds him, and that maybe that leads to intense moment for them hmm. again we don't know what's happening with the arranged marriage thing right it's, that seems like maybe too obvious of a plot thread and how would that lead to his death i don't know 
So I, I, honestly, I, I'm kind of the dark in how it all happened, but at the very least, I do think that this moment of you know happiness and bliss will not last, and that makes me sad. I, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. Yeah. And it may maybe they'll be bittersweet, but if there's any sort of sadness, then I will say I I I was right. Like my feelings were right. Yeah. Now I think overall, I think you've given some some good thoughts here. I can't really comment on any of it, but I will I know, say I will say I, I think you've given some good thoughts. Thank you. And I am very stoked and excited to talk about the next volume with you next week. Cool. As am I. <laughs> As am I. <laughs> so yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's I guess that's all. That's it. That's the end. I this volume. I know I said at the beginning, but this volume was so. Good. I'm so, so happy. Good. So happy to hear that, and I'm, I'm glad that it, it, it lived up to the expectations because I know it that did. I I kind of lifted it up beforehand, which I, I don't know if I should have, but I guess it, it worked out anyway. <laughs> you know, I, and you were even saying like, "Well, don't get disappointed." I was like, that, so I was like, "Well, I don't know." Like, <laughs> he's giving me mixed messages here, but no, it was it was good. Like, uh-huh. uh, why do I always forget her name? Perona. No, the 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 author. Oh, uh, Oima. Oh, Oima. She has done such a great job in establishing these characters in such a short amount of time. Right? Dude, yeah. You know, in one <laughs> volume, she gets you to care about a whole new cast, basically, mm-hmm. besides Fushi. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And for all I know, it could all fall down to the next volume, and then it moves on to the next. Like, <laughs> it's... Oh, man. Actually, I kind of... Now that I think about it, uh, sorry, I keep going, but now that I think about it, I kind of hope that we get we get more of these characters. Because uh-huh. like I said with Perona, I, I, I was really upset that that seemed to be potentially the last time we see her, or at least maybe not for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope it doesn't become a recurring thing where you only get like two volumes of these characters and then we move on. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. <laughs> anyway. Right. Excited, excited for excited for this next one definitely so with that all said if you enjoy our content you can follow us on twitter at umami manga and if you like this episode please share it around with anyone you think might enjoy it too thank you so much for listening we'll see you all next time where we'll talk about volume four bye bye see you later thinking about like the the past several recordings is that wow we made it through without a, a single shower that's true i feel like it's that's been true. several weeks since since it happened last time so yeah you're right so it's honestly i guess we should be happy <laughs> i well i guess it, you know to finish off the last recording in this house right one last shower yes exactly it has to happen it's tradition at this point <laughs> <laughs>